Hi, I'm Spencer Christian. I've been a broadcast journalist and weathercaster for more than 50 years. And over those years, I've met many remarkable people. Remarkable people with remarkable insight. Now, I'll be talking with them about the issues of the day and about their personal journeys. I'll even share a few of my own. So come join me after the weather, and we'll learn together. Welcome to After the Weather. I'm your host, Spencer Christian, and we are here now to talk about politics as Election Day is right around the corner. And California voters have hugely important decisions to make that will determine not only the future of our state, but may very well decide who wields power in Washington. Joining me now to help put this in perspective is ABC7 News anchor and reporter Liz Kreutz. Hi, Spencer. Thanks for having me again. Oh, thanks for joining us. I love talking politics with you. You know, when I look at the ballot, I see all these items, all these choices we have. It's like looking at a Cheesecake Factory menu. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's a lot to choose from. But I guess we should start with, you know, the big race, the the governor's race. Um, Most people seem to feel that Gavin Newsom is safe for re-election. But tell us about his opponent, uh, uh, Brian uh, Dolly. Right. It's not much of a race, really, when we're in a state where Democrats outnumber Republicans two to one. It does seem like Governor Newsom is going to win his reelection pretty handily. And also a lot of that has to do with the fact that he beat the recall last year pretty handily. He he did so well last year that there was no reason for another Democrat to jump into the race. And we didn't see a lot of Republicans jumping in the race either. So. He's coming into this very confident, but it is interesting. He is running against a man named Brian Daly. Daly. I say Daly, yes, because it's it's spelled like Dolly, but I asked him recently and it's like Dilly Daly, Brian Daly. He is a state senator from up in the Lassen County area. He's a farmer. He's been in the state assembly for, I believe, about 10 years or even longer. And... He's really not that well known, which is part of the story in California. A poll came out from the Berkeley Institute of Governmental Studies just about a week ago, a month out from the election, that showed over 50 percent of California voters have no idea who this person is. And this is the person running against Governor Newsom. That's amazing. Well, that shows you what an overwhelmingly Democratic state it is and how many of these statewide races are sort of taken for granted. When was the last time a a. Republican was elected to a statewide office here in California. Was it was it Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah, 2011. That was the last time there was a Republican in a statewide position, and it was Arnold Schwarzenegger. So Republicans have really, really been shut out in the past 10, 15 years here yeah. in California. I, I've been trying to learn more about uh, Brian Daly, and I'm glad you told me how to pronounce it. Um, and he doesn't strike me from what I've read as being what we'd call far right, like a MAGA Republican, but he certainly is very conservative, it appears. He is. And he's, I interviewed him recently, and he's clearly trying to strike a balance, a more moderate tone. I asked him if he believes that climate change has fueled our mega fires, for instance. And he was about to say, yeah, no, yeah. he kind of hedged a little bit. Even yeah. the photographer I work with noticed that. And he said, uh, he didn't really answer it. He said, well, we really need to do forest management. So he's trying to walk a line. He is against abortion access. For instance, he's against Proposition 1, which would enshrine abortion rights into the state constitution. Right. He is not supportive of things like discussing multiple gender identities 
in school. So he does certainly have more conservative leanings. Right. For California. Yeah. yeah I've no- noticed that in the in the few clips I've seen of him uh, being interviewed. Uh, and I knew that he was uh, against uh, Proposition One. So when, since we've already brought that up, let's mm-hmm. let's talk about Proposition One and and essentially what does it say? Yeah. So this is a, in direct response to the overturning of Roe versus Wade earlier this year, the Dodds decision by the Supreme Court. And Governor Newsom is staunchly behind this. He's already released ads in support of it. In fact, he's released more ads. You'll see him on the airwaves more about Proposition One than his own reelection campaign here in California. California. And Proposition 1 would change the Constitution. It would add an amendment to the state Constitution that would enshrine abortion access and abortion rights into the Constitution. Now, it seems to me there was uh, quite a lot of political activity and uh, passions being aroused the first several weeks, even month or so after the overturning of of Roe v. Wade. But has that tapered off a bit? I mean, are voters energized about around this issue enough to get out and vote in in significant numbers? Democrats sure hope that they are, but whether or not it's peaked, so to speak, a little bit, the energy and outrage around it is still to be determined. Some political analysts are saying they are. In fact, there's a poll that just came out from New York Times and Siena that shows when voters are asked, what is the most important issue facing you right now or the most important problem in the country right now it's by far in a way the economy and inflation yeah 19% saying that versus 4% saying abortion access so that suggests that some of that enthusiasm may have waned a little bit but we are seeing and we can talk about this certainly democrats leaning into that strategy of trying to galvanize voters and get them re-energized around this issue yeah, I, I see those efforts uh, when you look at the national political picture, uh, trying to re-energize voters around that issue. Of course, it'll have no prop one will have no problem passing in California. So abortion access will be enshrined into our state constitution, I guess, right? It, right. It, yes, it's likely, to, I mean, it's more than likely to, to yeah. pass. And that's actually what a lot of people are saying is why are Democrats putting so much money and effort right now into Proposition 1? Hillary yeah. Clinton came to San Francisco to promote Proposition 1. We're seeing Newsom, as I mentioned, running ads about it. In fact, a Bay Area congressman, Eric Swalwell, has released a really intense ad that depicts a world in which women get arrested for having an abortion. It's an entire dramatization of a family sitting around a dinner table and they hear the door knock and the police are at the door and say, we've obtained your medical records. You're under arrest for having an abortion. And the husband tries to step in and the police then pull their guns. And that's the scene that this congressman is saying will happen if Republicans do take control of the House. So why are Democrats focused so much on Prop 1 when you know it's likely to pass here? And A lot of people are saying it's because they're hoping it's a way to get people to the polls and they want people to get to the polls specifically in some of these tight congressional races in California that could tip the House. So they're hoping it will get people out to vote. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you brought up the tight congressional races, because here in the Bay Area, we have, what, 11 Congress members and and those are all safe Democratic seats or they appear to be. Uh, But there are tight races in other parts of the state that could determine uh, who has a majority in, in the houses of Congress in, in, uh, starting next year. So tell us a little bit about the, the races to watch. 
Yeah, there's a handful of races that are going to be pretty tight. 538 has just two California races listed as absolute toss-ups, but there are ones in Orange County that are going to be pretty tight. Katie Porter's district, for instance, that they're saying leans Democrat, but it's certainly going to be a very tight race there. Orange County always somewhat being a swing district. Even Katie Porter winning a few years back was a, was a big surprise when they were it able was. to turn that Democrat. Yeah. But there's one real race that some strategists have said Democrats need to win if they want to keep control of the House. And that is District 27. It used to be District 25, I believe, but redistricting has really shifted all the numbers around. And this is Republican Mike Garcia running against Christy Smith. And Christy Smith has tried to get this seat, I believe, two other times. She's never won, but she's running again. And because of redistricting and the shifting demographics there, this time she feels like she might have a shot. And yeah. it's interesting going back to our conversation around abortion rights. She's been really leaning in heavily to the issue of abortion. She's running ads right. about how she is supportive of abortion access versus Republican Mike Garcia, who is not. Right. Now, what part of the state is District 27 in? I'm trying to. It's just outside of Los Angeles. So oh. currently, Mike Garcia is the District 25. But again, right. it's now going to be District 27. And this is parts of Palmdale, Santa Clarita, Lancaster and Simi Valley. So just Got outside it. L.A. Mm-hmm. Well, well, it's good to know that uh, uh, elections in California have national significance. You know? It is. I know living in the Bay Area, we live in a little bubble here, and yeah. it feels like the vote, at least when it comes to the House and the Senate, doesn't always go as far as it might if you're living in some of those um, toss-up areas. Exactly, exactly. And, and speaking of national politics, you know, I, I find it interesting the way Gavin Newsom has nationalized the way he speaks about a lot of important issues, uh, which makes him look like a national candidate. You know, I, uh, it's uh, I think it's a an interesting political uh, strategy. Completely agree. And of course, he is adamant saying that he's not doing this because he wants to run for office, that there's there's you no know, full stop. I forget the exact term he uses, but that he has no interest in a sub zero interest is sub zero <laughs> interest in running for president. But it sure feels like that. It sure he's running more ads in Texas and Florida than he's running California for his own reelection campaign. Right. So certainly it seems like he's trying to maybe position himself as a national figure if President Biden decides not to run again. Exactly. And, and he frequently mentions by name uh, Florida and Texas in his in his political speeches, uh, drawing the contrast mm-hmm. between our state and those states politically. Mm-hmm. Or as our mutual friend Phil Mateer says, he, Gavin may not be running for president, but he's standing for president. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Phil exactly. says that all the time. Yep. Uh, Liz, we've been talking about how dominant the Democratic Party is in the state of California, but Republicans seem to be going for a lot of these local positions now, school boards and uh, elections officials. Uh, Is that going to be something that will boost the, the GOP in California? Yeah, I mean, that's their strategy right now. We're seeing this across the country. There have been these calls to go after your school boards, go after your town council, city council. And We're seeing that in California. We're seeing that very clear in the Bay Area, actually. There's a woman down in Silicon Valley. She runs the Silicon Valley Association of Republican Women. 
she has enlisted 16 different candidates to run in school board races all around the South Bay, San Jose, Campbell Unified, those areas there. And a lot of them are very upfront on their flyers that they don't support talking about multiple gender identities in schools, that they have more conservative leaning policies than you might normally see for a mm -hmm. candidate in these areas. It's happening also in Marin County right now. Some of the candidates there are being a little bit more discreet about their opinions on their website and flyers, but you just scratch a little bit beneath the surface. I interviewed one just recently and pretty, you know, ex you know, extreme for, for, for areas like Marin policies uh, when it comes to education. And this is their strategy to kind of get in whether or not it works. We'll see. The thing about these positions is that they're also nonpartisan positions. Yeah. So in a place that's more left leaning, like the Bay Area, mm -hmm. you don't have to run as a Republican. You're running nonpartisan. That's right. Yeah. So that's a part of the strategy as well to perhaps exactly. get in that way, to get in because otherwise they feel shut out. So it's sort of a path to get some kind of um, influence. Uh, so let's talk about a couple of the other propositions that mm -hmm. are uh, that are significant and that are getting lots of um, attention from the, the ads on, on the air. Proposition 30 is of great interest to me because um, it, it's not something for which every single Democrat is necessarily in favor. Uh, it would raise taxes on uh, people earning incomes of $2 million a year or more. Mm -hmm. um, and the governor himself is not for it. Yeah, and that's what makes this one most interesting because California Democratic Party supports this proposition. A lot of the main Democratic leaders across the state are supporting it. For instance, Oakland Mayor Libby Schaaf, but Governor Newsom does not. And it's stumping a lot of people as to why. His, his yeah. reasoning that he gives, he says it's a ploy by rideshare company Lyft to get the government and taxpayer money to cover their state mandate to electrify their vehicle fleet. But those who support Prop 30 are saying it's not just Lyft, that these are environmentalists who are pushing this proposition. So that's the interesting debate right. going on there. Of course, you know, we could read a lot into motives, what someone's motives might be. But if Governor Newsom is positioning himself as a national candidate possibly in position to run for president in the foreseeable future, uh, he would probably not want to be attacked for always being on the side of raising taxes, because that's what people always say about California, right? We are overly taxed already, most of us feel. So why add another tax, even though it would affect only a tiny percentage of, of uh, wage earners? Right. And it would affect only a tiny percentage. But yes, that ad writes itself that Governor Newsom just recently raised taxes if yeah. it were to pass, even though it wasn't specifically him. And also the people it's raising taxes on, this is the cynical part of us, are a lot of the people that donate to political campaigns. Yeah, right. Well, he's California. <laughs> so perhaps are, are calling the governor or someone saying, don't raise taxes on us. Right. Um, that's another aspect of it, of course, but those who support it don't quite understand the governor's position, given that this proposition and what it would do by raising taxes and using that money to pay for electric vehicle subsidies is essentially trying to get at exactly what the governor is trying to do. I mean, it's the governor who said in 2035, the state is going to ban all sales of gas powered cars. Right, right. So right. this prop for supporters, they're saying this will help us get there. Yeah. Right. Well, 
we, we, we'll, we'll have to do this again after the election. Yes. <laughs> It'll be, it's easier to, to, uh, to look at these issues with hindsight, you know, see, see how they played out and compare mm-hmm. them to what we expected to happen. Um, there, you know, I consider myself a fairly astute political observer and, you know, I, I keep up with what's going on. I read a lot. I, I watch the political ads. I'm so torn as to which side of the uh, propositions 26 and 27 is, is the, you know, the, the, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? The honorable side. <laughs> you know, I hear <laughs> arguments for 26 to 27. I hear arguments against it. And both sides seem to make sense. They do. It's fascinating, this one, because this is breaking campaign finance spending records. Hundreds of millions of dollars have been spent on both of these propositions. And according to the polls right now, neither are going to pass. Wow. Yeah. Now, and these are the ones that would uh, um, expand uh, gambling. In, yes. In certain games in the Indian casinos and and sports betting. Uh, 27 would allow sports betting on your mobile devices and all that. And the argument, one of the arguments against it seems to be that, uh, you know, underage kids would have access to sports betting in their their mobile phones. Yeah, certainly there's a lot of concern from people. And that's what a lot of the ads against Prop 27, which would allow online sports betting and mobile sports betting, the ads say that this is dangerous, that it will add to more addiction around gambling and potentially kids will have access to it. Although, of course, there are age restrictions. It would just be if a kid was able to get around that. There's also about 60 tribes in California that are against Prop 27 because they say that it would hurt tribes, which are currently the only place in California where you can gamble. And so they're saying if all of a sudden you can, you know, wage bets from your phone and your couch, what's going to get someone to come to the casino? Right, right. It, which also seems like a reasonable argument. I, well, sure. I, I can't I can't wait till this is all settled. and we'll, we'll do this again after the elections. So I guess uh, the, the big thing is now wait to see what the turnout is like and see if the turnout here in California and the results here in California uh, end up having any, um, you know, significance in, in, at the national level, determining the, the balance of power in Washington. Absolutely. I mean, I think the House races here in California are going to be critical in tipping that balance. And we'll have to see. It's at the end of the day, right now, Republicans seem to have a slight edge coming in to the midterms, especially around frustrations with the economy and inflation and gas prices. And we're seeing Democrats, including the president, trying to now talk about those kitchen table issues. The president just released a plan to try to lower gas prices. But at this point, a lot of people at the end of the day, Republicans do have an edge when it comes to issues of the economy. Yeah, it it appears that way. Well, thanks for being with us this time around, Liz. Uh, We're certainly going to have to get together again right after the elections and and do our Monday morning quarterbacking. (laughs) Absolutely. I look forward to that always, Spencer. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. And thank you all for joining this episode of After the Weather. I'm Spencer Christian. Bye for now. After the Weather is a product of ABC7. Be sure to subscribe. And if you liked our program, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. We'll talk to you next time. Take care.